Welcome to this episode of Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. Today we are doing a slightly different version as we are going to be going through some of the highlights of the pilot series. I am joined by the wonderful Hannah Russell of Mags Creative, who has become very much a lockdown friend of mine. I am sure that we all have them, people we feel we know from video screen calls only, but sometimes having an occasional drink in the evening together. Of course, I still have no idea how tall Hannah is as she's just become a floating face on a screen. Mags Creative, I think, is one of the most exciting companies in the UK at the moment. They are a podcast production company producing some of the most exciting shows in the UK. Hannah, could you explain to us a bit about the story of how you came to found Mags Creative and tell us about some of the podcasts you produce? Thank you so much, Jimmy, for that introduction, particularly calling attention to how tall I am. I'm actually not very tall at all. I'm about five foot one. So being a floating head on a screen is sometimes a benefit, I think. But I'm delighted to be here. So I'm the founder of a company called Mags Creative, and we're one of the leading independent podcast companies here in the UK. I started the business in 2019 with my business partner and my sister, actually, Faith. We've worked together for a little over six years, Faith and I. We started and sold another business prior to this one. But We started working together and we actually started in the guise of a full service content led marketing agency. So, you know, we were doing lots of different types of work, making lots of different types of content, executing that content across different channels. But we realized within weeks, months, really, that audio was the sector that was most exciting to us and also the sector where there was the most demand and the sector where we had a real, real opportunity to sort of be an early starter in a burgeoning industry. So we started working on podcasts. We launched our first show, which was the Deliciously Ella podcast in August of 2018. Since then, we've grown the business quite rapidly. So we're now reaching millions of listeners every month. We work across lots of different types of shows, lots of health and wellness shows. We've actually worked a lot with influencers on other platforms to bring those audiences across the audio sphere. It's really been a sort of really interesting journey for us. And I think we've watched the industry grow and evolve in a huge way in the time that we've been in the space to the point now where the podcast industry is really growing up and professionalizing. And I think that's a really important thing for us to witness. Yeah. And how many people are you employing now and almost in your supply chain of contractors as well? I mean, we're a full-time team of seven, so we're not enormous. We also work extensively with part-time producers, freelance designers, audio editors. And so that network of people that we can call on kind of flexes and changes depending on the show. Yeah. I mean, you sort of play it down there a little bit, but that's employment of 20 people or so. And this is what, for me, is amazing side of the UK entrepreneurial story is there are people like you that are doing this, that have started businesses in the last couple of years. And, you know, we're employing a handful of people. But if we get everyone doing that, then we're going to be able to power out of the situation that we find ourselves in. So I think it's a remarkable story, what you've done there and founding it with your sister as well. I mean, that must be great, but challenging at times as well. We are absolutely a dream team, my sister and I. I think whereas I'm constantly looking to what's going to be happening in five years, three months and seven days time, Faith is very much in the here and now and focused on executing on all of the big grand plans and schemes that I dream up. So we actually work really, really well together. We complement each other really well. But I also really wanted to pick up on what you said around businesses, SMEs, small businesses, however you want to phrase it. I think there's a real image problem there here in the UK because when I started 
started my first business, I had an idea of what business should look like. And I read about tech unicorns and huge amounts of funding. And there's such a place for that. And I think there are so many businesses that really need that funding and that high growth opportunity. But I actually felt like we weren't doing it right because we weren't on that track. And so I think sort of raising the profile, as you said, of businesses that are able to kind of build on revenue to grow relatively organically. That's not to say it's easy, Christ, it's definitely not easy. Yeah, having that opportunity to build a business over time and also raising the profile of the importance of that work is something I feel really passionately about. It's really important. And you're reaching millions of people's lives, as you've been saying, for your company, which is incredible. And yes, it might not have some of the tech unicorn valuations, but you're having an impact on so many people's lives. And of course, that means that you've become a bit of a podcaster power listener. <laughs> and I know you came across one of the episodes of Jimmy's Jobs of the Future early on, and you can knock a couple of zeros off the amount of people that we're reaching at the moment. But I was just really keen to explore that because you heard the Pip Jameson episode and got in touch. We actually agreed to kind of implement one of the things that Pip recommends as a growing trend in the SME entrepreneurial space, which is the idea of skill swapping. The creatives on the dots, but the whole wider platform as well. Another trend we're seeing is skill swap, which I love on the dots where people are saying, hey, I'm an engineer, but I'm looking to learn a bit more about UX design. So UX design is how things are kind of laid out or how it looks on the front end of a website. And so we're seeing a massive trend on skill swap. So advice I give to people is like, what is your core skill and what are you interested in learning? And then it's worth just posting that and saying, okay, my core skill is coding, but Mm -hmm. I want to learn about branding or copywriting and start kind of coming together and actually teaching each other and learning from each other. How do you come across podcasts, I guess, is what I was going to ask. And yeah, how do you discover different types of podcasts that are coming out? Well, I would just say that I come across a lot of podcast pitches and we have a lot of conversations with lots of different people about the shows they want to make. And we read a lot. So when I read about Jimmy's Jobs of the Future, I was honestly really impressed with the concept, with the idea and really the focus, I think, because I think focusing on providing people with actionable information and knowledge about jobs of the future is such a clear benefit to people and something that isn't being done elsewhere. So I did reach out to you and I do stick around for the jokes, but I do think that what you're building here is really interesting. And in terms of podcast discovery, I mean, I am a power listener. I think some members of my team are potentially, I don't even know what a supercharged power listener is, but they get through a huge volume of podcast. We actually have a monthly podcast club internally where we pick a different podcast each month and dissect it and talk about it and what we can learn from it. And the more obscure, the better. So if you can pick something that no one in the podcast company has already listened to, then I think you're doing pretty well. I bet that's a fascinating conversation that I'm sure many people would like to listen into. One of the things from that Pip Jameson episode, and you kind of talk at it there, is two things that really stuck with me from the Pip episode were that creativity is an important skill set. And also the perception you have to be able to code to work in technology. I think there's this perception that you have to code to work in tech. But actually, where we're seeing the massive growth in tech is tech businesses like Google or Depop or Netaporter hiring, but they're hiring any roles. You know, they're they're hiring copywriter roles, they're hiring Mm. producer roles. Your skills are so transferable. The trend we're seeing with engineer roles that are going up onto the dots is they're looking for creative thinkers, collaborative thinkers. So creativity as a skill set in its broadest sense of the word is an innate human thing 
yeah, I mean, I think that episode for me really lays out some of the fundamentals in terms of building a business for the future and indeed getting jobs for the future. Because I think creativity is something that as of yet, we cannot artificially recreate, or perhaps we can, but at the moment, there is absolutely no doubt that creativity is one of the core skills that humans are going to need to move forward in this world. And I think that for us is such an important part of our business. You know, people think about podcasts as being two people opening a computer, maybe sitting in front of a mic in the old days and just having a chat and it starts and finishes there. But those days are gone, in my opinion. The days when we could launch a show that was just two people having a very unfocused, uninteresting at times conversation. And that does really, really well are really gone. And creativity is so important in the concepting of shows, in the way that we work with talent, just in how we can kind of bring different ideas to life across the kind of audio format. And I think that is such an important skill set that we always look for and that we also try and foster internally because I think something maybe you can relate to this Jimmy but we really work in a world where we have a huge amount going on we're growing a business Faith and I and my team also work really really hard to make everything happen and sometimes it is hard to I guess engineer creativity and so allowing yourselves those pockets of time and actually still viewing them as really really worthwhile elements of your work for that creativity to happen so whether that's Faith and I try and do a call a couple of times a week where we both in different parts of the country but we both go outside and have a walk and have a conversation at at that point because even just the act of stepping away from the laptop and emails and constant in real time demands allows us to have a more creative strategic conversation than we might otherwise be able to have so I think yeah creativity is a skill set but it's also something that needs to be fostered and built and nurtured I think you can't just call on it at will which I wish I could yeah, I think that's really true, actually. And it's funny, I was listening back to the Pip Jameson episode, which I actually recorded in person back in the late summer when I was first doing it. She was the first person I interviewed for it. And it was interesting because on that, I said, you know, I'm not a creative person. And she sort of kind of shot back at me a little bit and said, well, you are because you came up with the idea for this podcast and you put it together and you realised the bits that you couldn't do, like the sound recordings and so on. You might not identify as being creative but you are completely creative because you created this podcast and you came up with the whole idea and you came together where you recognize you were lacking on your skill set is you came up with the creative thought for the idea and creative thought for the project where you are you recognize you're lacking was i need branding support it was funny listening back to it because aa i hadn't quite given myself the credit for it but life moves so fast as well at the moment i had essentially spotted a problem that i felt was out there which is how do we get more information about the future of jobs and how people can upskill them for it and i mean that was a theme that returned to in a number of our shows in terms of getting over that problem i mean i think there was another one quote that kind of stuck with me that we talked about is Hayden Wood, who was our very first episode, you know, founded the renewable energy company Bulb, almost employs a thousand people now, fastest growing company in the UK, creating the green jobs of the future. What he said about renting talent and hiring experience and how actually working in a sushi restaurant is relevant for green jobs, I thought was really interesting. And so with Bulb, because we didn't have people who'd been in the energy industry before who thought that that was just the way things should be done, we started a company and we just had one tariff. So every single Bulb member is on that tariff. And it means that there's never any concern for them about whether or not they're on our best deal. That's just the sort of thinking that comes out of people who are sort of looking at things for the first time. But you talked about how you work with 
lots of contractors and so on. And just bringing that creativity and contractors together, how do you go about using experience, you know, renting it and bringing that into your creative conversations? I think it's such a good point. And I think it's something that the creative industry actually does really, really well, which is to recognise when particular people are able to bring in a skill set or an energy or a perspective to a project that potentially they might not want to work for that company forever. But there's something that they're able to bring into that space and that project for that moment in time and do it with great gusto and great energy. And I think that's definitely true within the podcasting space, which is that we have an incredible, amazing, hardworking, highly experienced, brilliant. I can't even tell you how amazing our team is, but there's always something exciting and I guess invigorating about bringing in some experience or some talent for one of the projects that we're working on, whether that's just on a kind of short-term basis to do an ideas generating session or a consultancy to look over one of the projects that we're working with. So I really enjoyed the Hayden Wood episode and I think he made a lot of really brilliant points, but that one around talent and experience really stuck with me. And I think just going to your point about when you started the company, because it's a fascinating story, I found, whatever any entrepreneur does, because it is so much of what the people have come on the show have been about is solving a problem they encountered, whether it was Hayden Wood with Bulb and Expensive Energy, Pip Jameson connecting creative workers, Catherine Parsons teaching code, Izzy Obeng and helping black entrepreneurs, or Pete Flint trying to find accommodation when he was at Stanford. There are all these different stories and they all led to people creating their company. And perhaps the most powerful one on this, I thought, was Sarah would when she talks about wanting a better family life and that led to her leaving her job as an academic and going on to found a global digital marketplace that was valued in excess of a hundred million i mean what an amazing kind of story in terms of well i want to rebalance my life so therefore i'm just going to go and build a hundred million pound company is quite remarkable i think and she talks about it here i was living in hackney with two kids but then commuting to Sussex, just outside of Brighton, staying there during the week. And every week, I broke my heart to leave my kids and saying goodbye to Ezra on a Tuesday morning at the nursery and then knowing I wasn't going to see him again until later on in the week just took a real toll mentally. So even though I love my work and I love being an academic, I love teaching, I love the research, it just felt as though it wasn't working with a family life. This is something that comes to you and me a lot. Hannah, we've both had babies in the last couple of years and trying to find that balance of life. But talk to me more about where the idea came from. What was that initial innovation trigger for it? I think for us, it was around the type of work that we were doing already. So creating content, whether that was already creating some audio content, but producing video content, we were creating graphics and imagery and design, but really realizing that audio was the market that was most interesting and accelerating. And I think it was a huge risk, actually. So we've run and started a service-based business where cash is king, cash flow is always something that you're going to have to juggle. And actually, we started saying no to any work that wasn't audio and taking that leap of faith. And I think Faith and I really had to grit our teeth and say, we've made the right decision here. And we really want to take a bet on audio and podcasting. And now looking back at it two years later on from that decision, we think, oh, God, obviously, that was the right thing to do. But at the time, it was a really big call for us and felt like a really big risk and a big decision. 
and and lots of people say now god you got into podcasting at the right time and I guess we did but we also had to make some tough decisions and really hold on to our belts and braces while we did say no to that other type of content work and really focus on audio and podcasts and what do you think is so powerful about audio and we've seen the podcast market booming and so on but what do you think makes it such a powerful medium god i mean where to start i think stripping back what people look like what their instagram account tells you about them what quippy comment they can write on twitter and actually forcing people to engage with the quality of people's minds and how they can engage with another human being how they can formulate an argument how they can formulate an idea we talk about audio creating meaningful connections a lot on our website and in our work and it can sound like a tagline but i genuinely believe that listening to someone's voice and what they've got to say is the future and listening more and being able to get that key into who someone really is rather than the world that we're all presenting externally through every other medium, I think is so, so powerful and so important in terms of us building a better society and one that really, truly listens to one another. So it's almost an antidote to the short media clips and the sound bites as where I came from in my political background sort of dominated so much thinking. It's almost an antidote to that. I think that's a really powerful point. I do. And I think it doesn't necessarily mean that podcasts need to be super long. I think you can still have really incredibly powerful, relatively short podcasts or audio. But I do think that forcing us to kind of formulate ideas, talk to one another and listen to those conversations is a real force for good. Yeah. And you're talking about just before about going after a sector and making your play for audio when you were doing content creation. And I think, yeah, it's really striking because that sticks with a lot with what Pete Flint was saying. And for those that haven't listened to that episode, Pete Flint is an amazing entrepreneur who has founded two tech unicorns. I mean, that's how incredible an entrepreneur he is. He did it once and then that wasn't enough. And he went on to do it again with Trulia. And he talks about if he was giving career advice, which I know a lot of people listen to this show for, you know, he's going after a sector and not a company is really important. And also he talked about how, despite the fact he'd done that twice and had been very successful at it, he's now a venture capitalist and investing in other companies. He was really open about how he needed to change mindset after a year from being an entrepreneur to an investor. And I just thought that that must have struck a chord with you about how you need to change mindset quite a lot of the time. The mistake that I guess I made in the sort of first year was founders would ask me, how do you think I should solve this problem with this go-to-market strategy? The mistake I made was really saying, well, when I was at Trulia or when I was at LastMinute.com, I did this. And just bad advice because you don't want to sort of apply what you did. The flip is really to abstract the action from the kind of framework. The way to think about it is like the way that I would think about this is the following or the framework that I would apply is the following. And that helps you sort of get out of the tactics to understand the first principles thinking around this, because what was relevant 10 years ago is not necessarily relevant today. So, yeah, regarding Pete's comments there, you obviously made a big play for the podcast industry. You did it two, three years ago. It's really gone up exponentially. What are you seeing as the future in the podcast industry? Such an interesting question. I think in the time that we've been around, the amount of competition in the space has massively increased. So we could have launched a show back in 2018 and very, very easily reached number one in the Apple charts and pulled in a really big audience. And I think that now is becoming 
much more difficult. But I think as opposed to just thinking about podcasting specifically, I think there's a real shift in the way that we think about audio in general. And I've talked really passionately about why I believe listening to people's voices are really important. And we had a chat, Jimmy, before this episode recording about Clubhouse. And I think it's a real buzzword at the moment. People are talking about Clubhouse, which for anyone that doesn't know, is an audio only social network. And I think that is a really interesting direction that the whole world is moving in, which is, again, listening to the quality of people's minds and what they've got to say, engaging with people by forcing people to speak out loud. I think you take away a huge amount of trolling, a huge amount of kind of keyboard warriors because you've actually got those horrible things that you're able to type you know, I think people might find it a lot more difficult to verbalise them. So it feels like a much more inclusive space at the moment. So I think in terms of the development of the audio industry, I'd say Clubhouse is really interesting. And then podcast specifically, I think just innovation in terms of creativity. So bringing to light really, really interesting formats in the same way that the TV world has had to develop show formats over lots and lots of different years and think about ways that people engage with their content and how can they bring in this person and that person and make a show that will appeal to this audience. I think that innovation around content is just sort of really, really escalating and is going to really lead, I think, to some really interesting launches over the next year or so in terms of shows that you might not otherwise have previously thought would have a home in the podcasting world. But actually, I think that kind of push, that competition is really driving innovation. That sounds very exciting for some of the pitches that you've clearly received in the last month or so since the start (laughs) of the year. I don't want to give anything away, but there's definitely some really interesting things in the pipeline. Amazing. And I guess a final quote that stuck out from the pilot series was from Christian May, who was the editor of City AM newspaper, just how he landed a job as an editor of a national newspaper at a young age. And he just talked about all of your experiences eventually leads to opportunities. And of course, you know, I suppose it was, there's always an element of that. If you're going to be honest with yourself, you also have to acknowledge that being in that position where that stroke of luck could strike you was the culmination of a lot of hard work, a lot of activity, even if you didn't consider it the path that you were on. Everything you'd done previously had led you to the point where suddenly you think, oh, that's a stroke of luck. So I don't want to be too flippant or, you know, put forward any kind of modesty is good, isn't it? But in a false modesty in this case. I don't want people listening to this to think that people get interesting jobs purely by a stroke of luck. Because as you would know, having worked in the heart of number 10, and as I now have a sense, run a newspaper for five years, that whatever it is that takes you to the room and puts you in the conversation where an opportunity is presented to you, it might feel out of the blue. But if you're being honest, it is the culmination of everything you've done previously, even if you weren't planning for it. It resonated with me a lot. I've written a medium post about wandering and wondering when I left Downing Street about what my next opportunity would be and what it would lead to. And actually, you do just end up joining all of the dots slightly and creating something, but it does take a time and you can't really force it. And I know that struck a lot with you and your journey at Mags Creative as well, Hannah. I absolutely loved that quote. I think the way that Christian phrased it around you don't just land a really exciting job through no hard work or experience. The reason that that brilliant job landed in his lap was some luck, but was also the sum of all of the hard work and the experience and the opportunities and the failures that had come before that. And I think that's just such an empowering message to really take on board because I've had failures, many, many failures or things that feel like failures at the time. But actually, I don't think you end up in a position of success, whatever 
whatever success means without all of that combined experience and those meetings and those learnings and actually you know I don't want to do that because it was such a disaster I'm never doing that again and that then feeds into your next move and your next career decision so that quote for me was one of the yeah many but one of the highlights of the season and I think is a really important message to share. I think it sums up the sort of golden thread, really, in a lot of the entrepreneurs' stories, overcoming problems, trying to iterate and do different things, having that creative, entrepreneurial, problem-solving mindset, which we all have to a degree. Actually trying to think about that and create it into a business is a really powerful thing to do. And it's not always necessarily following passion. You know, sometimes I think I see that a lot of advice to young people about just go and follow your passion. I just think life isn't as simple or as straightforward as that necessarily. But yeah, it's a really powerful point that he makes there. And we're looking at now the second series of Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. We've grown really well during the first series and I'm really pleased with it. But I guess there's a key thing about how do we grow it further? And you've just got so much experience of doing this with so many great shows that I just wanted to kind of use this opportunity in one of our skill swapping sessions almost to say, you know, where is the future of audio going and what works really well for growing a podcast? Great question, Jimmy. I think when we talk to shows about growing their audience or when we work on this internally with, with some of our own shows, I think there are some basics that you've got to get right before you can even start thinking about campaigns and amplification and, and marketing campaigns. And I think the basics that content really does matter. There is absolutely no point doing an absolutely brilliant marketing campaign for a really, really rubbish show. So I think making great content and really placing a high value on that and holding yourself to kind of the standard that you do Jimmy around brilliant guests really smart questioning and pulling out as much value for a listener because listening to a podcast the way we view it is you are asking for a proper time investment from someone you are not asking for them to kind of scroll through your Instagram and tap it twice and like it you're not asking for a couple of minutes of their time to watch a viral video someone's giving you 15 to 60 minutes of their time and that I think you need to take that really seriously. I say consistency. It doesn't mean you have to release every single week forever and ever and ever, but at least releasing on the same day with a similar sort of show that people understand the format of. Shows do build over time. So I think word of mouth marketing within podcasting is super important. So allowing yourself enough time within a series to build that audience. Viewing podcasting is, I guess, a, a bit of a move with longevity. They're not always quick wins. So thinking about how you're going to build this podcast as an important part of your next steps I think is a hugely important one and then in terms of things that you can actively do as a podcaster to build audience I think there's loads of different routes that people take but if I was to just pull out one I would say get podcast listeners where they are already listening rather than trying to pull people in off of social platforms or press or other mediums if you can get people who already listen to podcasts aware of your podcast then that's a really well free and relatively effective way of bringing people into your show so appearing as a guest on other podcasts and cross-promoting your show with other shows that would be my top tip for podcasters looking to build their audiences that's the key thing isn't it because we've talked a bit about yeah i've asked people to promote it on social media and so on but actually it's that kind of word of mouth and already going to where people are is the key driver of it because like you say it's a big ask for people that you're making of them and it's funny the amount of friends and family that I got to listen to it who said after listening to the first couple of episodes oh it's genuinely really good I mean I was listening to it a bit out of duty <laughs> to be honest <laughs> I was like oh thanks guys. thanks guys yeah including my dad um so <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point you make there. But the exciting news is that more and more people are listening to them. Absolutely. I think podcast listenership is doubling year on year. It's growing massively here in the UK. It's a much more advanced market over in the US. We're in a good place. And Jimmy, I think the world's your oyster. Well, thank you very much for that, Hannah. And look, thank you for coming on the show. It's been brilliant to have you on, hear about your entrepreneurial journey and what you're doing with a nimble, exciting company, I think is really exciting. Look, I hope we can do it in person at some stage. And Also, we both have Clubhouse invites still to give out, which there seems to be an endless replenishing supply of. So if you follow us on social media at Jimmy M or Mags Creative, then I'm sure we can pass you on to there. And hopefully we can do this in person later in the year. God, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Back to a world of meeting and moving around London and seeing people face to face. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. All right, brilliant. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. The mission of this podcast is to help inform people about the fantastic jobs that are being created and trying to present that information in an as accessible format as possible. I'd therefore really appreciate it if you could send this episode to someone who you think might find it useful and interesting. It doesn't have to be just for them. It could be that they work at a school, college, or just interested in the future of our economy. If you could rate us on iTunes, that would be great. And of course, we are on social media platforms at Jimmy's Jobs. We are particularly trying to grow it on LinkedIn. Thanks to the team at Particle 6 for their editing skills. And thanks to George Dick Cleland for the artwork.